Rots a righteousness tends to be long So keep your love on, on Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. In each episode, we punt phony religion and we learn how to simply walk with God every day. It's straightforward and it's straight from the word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org that includes free Bible studies and videos to answer your questions and build your faith. And of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out and contact us at getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode for you, so let's go. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright. You know, New Year's resolutions come around every single year and every single year the big joke is, oh man, nobody can keep up with their New Year's resolutions. Well, why is it so many people have a difficult time affecting actual positive change in their life? Well, today we're going to give you the key to doing that very thing, affecting actual positive victorious eternally victorious change in your life, in our lives, and the ones we love as well. Those who want that positive, victorious, eternal change in their lives. We've got the key to it. His name's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And today's show, we discuss how to walk with Jesus every single day. Let's get right into the word. We have so much for you. And uh, again, just so blessed that you get to be here today with us. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll start in verse 3. This is Apostle Paul speaking. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Isn't that interesting? There's the flesh and then there's the spirit. And they are two very, they're exact opposites of one another. So yes, we are walking in this flesh. We are in this natural realm, but we do not war after the things of this flesh. In verse four, Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We are armed and very dangerous in the spirit. So dangerous, we pull down these strongholds, but only through our mighty spiritual weapons. They are not natural. They are spirit. They come from the Holy Spirit. So we've taught extensively here on Get Your Love On about the Holy Spirit, how to have it, how to have the infilling of it so that it it is who we are. We're walking in the Holy Spirit every single day. So go to getyourloveon.org for that beautiful instruction and that beautiful teaching, especially if that's if this is the first time you're really hearing of the Holy Spirit. And if this is the first time that you're hearing that, wow, I can have that for myself every day. That's true. You can. And uh, so we have that incredible teaching for you at getyourloveon.org. Please take full advantage of it. It's always free and it always will be. You don't have to pay a dime for it. It's just for the feeding of your very soul and and to be able to be victorious in this spiritual warfare. It comes from the Holy Spirit. So even further, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Apostle Paul says, yes, with these spiritual weapons, we get to, in verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. 
Don't you love the totality of God? Every high thing, all the so-called experts, all the so-called, oh, I know how this is going to play out. No, we get to pull down every high thing that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. How do we obtain the knowledge of God? We'll get to that a little bit more in Second Peter, but the bottom line is it's through the word of God. As we seek God in his word, we will have the knowledge of God. And then yes, cast down every high thing that tries to prop itself up higher than the knowledge of God. Because newsflash, there is nothing higher than the knowledge of God. There is no way to exceed God Almighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Isn't that awesome? And we get to know Him. So cool. Thank you, Lord. And here's the key too. Through the Holy Spirit, through these spiritual weapons, we get to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, Again, Christ was the word made flesh. So what Apostle Paul is saying here is we get to bring every thought, whether it's walking across our own mind or coming out of the mouth of someone else, either the television station, a movie, music, every idea, every thought, we get to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's our right. That's our privilege. What does that mean? We get to reject every thought that does not line up with the word of God. Incredible, incredible privilege, incredible strength, incredible confidence to know that we have that ability through the Holy Spirit. If there's a thought walking across your mind, you're not good enough. You can't. This won't happen. It's impossible. Well, what does the word say? Oh, the opposite of that. Good. I'm lining up with the word. Fantastic. Thank you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, for giving me this confidence to bring ev every thought into captivity. It's, it's, it's stuck. It better line up with the word of God or it's getting punted. It's getting the, the heck out of your mind. And that's how we get to operate in that, in that very simple instruction to bring every thought into captivity of Jesus Christ. Well, again, Christ was the word made flesh. So we get to bring every thought into the obedience of the word. So the Greek meaning of that word obedience is attentive hearkening, compliance, mm, submission. <laughs> that's right. Every idea that's out there in the world, every idea that walks across our mind, we get to bring it into submission to the word of God and then believe God for his word and stand on his righteousness. It is an incredible life to live that way. And that's how we can affect real positive change. Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as we line up with him and we become more like him, we get to see all those beautiful promises of God that existed for Esther, existed for Daniel, existed for Jacob and Joseph, all of these personalities we have taught about on this radio show. So go to getyourloveon.org, dive into those show archives and get those personalities for yourselves as well. And then, yep, it's it becomes easy to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of the word of God. You know, the other thing is, is that Christ spoke in parables very often. Specifically, he was in a mixed multitude. So some some people that believed in God and some that didn't. And he did so 
so that those that would attentively hearken to his word could be blessed and understand and receive the gift of the knowledge of God. So as we do that too, we also get that wonderful understanding, that beautiful knowledge of God as we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, that obedience, again, it means submission as well. And it is recognizing God's great authority. And Apostle Paul actually had to remind the Corinthians of God's authority through his anointed leadership. This is very important for us to be able to bring every thought into captivity. Um, That also means being able to listen to the anointed leadership and and hear for how it lines up with the word of God. And if, if the pastors and the teachers that, that are currently in anyone's life don't line up with the word of God, it's time to trust God to deliver you new pastors and new leadership that does line up with the word of God. Because when, it, when, when you do have that leadership, your life becomes very peaceable. It becomes very streamlined and efficient because you get to trust that leadership. You get to trust their words. You get to know, okay, Lord, I want to line up with your word. I'm bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. So yeah, I get to trust what my pastor is saying. I get to trust what this prophet is saying. And we have a beautiful prophetess a little bit later on in today's show that's going to give us some incredible knowledge that the Lord gave her because she diligently seeks him for our behalf. That's true leadership. That's true anointed leadership. And so let's listen to what Apostle Paul says. There's a really important lesson here. So again, he's having to remind the Corinthians of God's leadership. This is a this is 2 Corinthians 10 verse 10. And Apostle Paul says, For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Oh, the Corinthians didn't like Apostle Paul's outward package. So verse 11, Paul offers a wonderful solution. It says, Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will we also be indeed when we are present. So if we just look at the outward appearance and kind of surface level understanding of any of God's word or any of God's true teaching, we could miss the very power of God that is standing right in front of us, being delivered to us by an anointed vessel. So let's take our, let's, let's take a step back. Let's just say, okay, Lord, show me your, show me how this lines up with your word. Teach me how to do this. Apostle Paul recommends that you just change your you change your mind. Again, we get to take every thought into captivity. And Apostle Paul is saying, look, change your thinking. If you think that you don't like somebody's appearance or their delivery method or how they're telling you something, change your thinking because it's the truth of God's word. So line up with that. <laughs> don't line up with the world. Line up with the word of God. And then watch how your life prospers. Watch how the Lord opens up new revelations and and makes seemingly difficult conundrums very easy and very simple. 
because God is the way, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It's that simple. So again, let's not look at the outward appearance. Let's seek God in his word. Let's go to verse 12 now. Apostle Paul, again, incredible wisdom here. He says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Nope. We dare not make ourselves of the number. Doesn't matter how many there are in the opposition. If we stand with God Almighty, he is the great deliverer. He is the great healer. He's the great solution generator. There's no way to beat God. He's already been victorious for all eternity. So we stand with God Almighty, the one creator, and, and have that one faith by that one baptism. And again, that's in Ephesians. And again, we, we have ministered on that before too. That message is called the unity of the spirit. So you can check that out as well. But yeah, we don't need to make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves to anyone else. We line up with the word of God in truth and simplicity and boom, allow God to work through each one of us according to our own personality. And let's now jump down to verse 17. It says, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's right. The victory belongs to God almighty. Verse 18. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Isn't that wonderful? Let's seek God's approval, not man's approval, not general approval, not popular approval. God's approval. Why? Because God has the great authority. His word has the answers. And that's why we get to measure every thought against the word of God. Now here on Get Your Love On, we do specifically read the King James Version of the Bible because it is the only authorized version. And it's the only version that was translated from ancient languages to modern language without any political or religious bias and stuck true to the very truth of those ancient languages. So it's, it's the best. And we don't want to use anything else than the best of what God has to offer. So we stick to the King James Version here and encourage that that's, that is the authorized version. That's the word. That's the version that we line all thoughts up against. So now let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is Apostle Paul's letter to a wonderful young man of God giving instruction how to proceed in this life, how to, how to walk with faith and how to ensure that those in our lives can do the same, can obtain the same victorious walk. We'll go to, we'll start in verse seven. Apostle Paul says, consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding in all things. So not only do we get to rely on the word of God to measure every thought that we hear or that walks across our mind, we measure every thought against the word of God, but we also get to trust the Lord for giving us understanding, not for some things or maybe other things, but for all things. The Lord will give us understanding in all things, especially as we consider the word as Paul outlines here. Let's jump down to verse 11 here. 
It says, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him, speaking of Christ. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance. Now, Apostle Paul is saying, look, these are simple ideas. And just keep those you're in charge of in remembrance of these things. That we are buried with him with baptism and then we live in righteousness. Yes, we will suffer persecution because there are evildoers. But as we walk in that righteousness, we also are partakers of the glory that shall be revealed in Christ. And then, yeah, if you, if, if there's denial of Christ, then, you know, he's going to deny us too. But if we abide faithful, then he is faithful as well. And reality is Christ can't deny himself. Those are simple things that we get to rely on and stand in and be put in remembrance of. And Paul says in verse 14, of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Yeah, there's a lot of words that are pointless and useless out there. They, a lot of, a lot of circular logic, a lot of arguments. <laughs> we don't need to be involved in any of it. All we need to do is stand strong in the word of God, knowing it, allowing the Lord to give us understanding in all things, and then move forward bit by bit, layer by layer. It's a process of God to walk in his perfection every single day. And we learn new things every single day to be able to do that. And in verse 15, Apostle Paul says, we get to do that. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So as we study the word of God, and as we study to show ourselves approved unto God, then we, we know that we'll never be ashamed. It says, hope maketh not ashamed. There's, there's no way as we put our faith and our hope and our confidence in God Almighty, <laughs> we won't be ashamed. We'll stand righteously. In verse 16, it says, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Well, profane and vain babblings, babblings come from ungodliness. As you just heard, the word is very direct, it's very precise, and it's very comforting. And it's it answers questions. The word of God answers questions, gives solutions. Whereas profane and vain babblings, they just lead to more questions and they just they don't solidify anyone's life. It's always a game. It's always always a racket to get something else moving. Whereas the word of God, no, it's, it's simple. We get to take every thought into the obedience of Christ and know how to stand. We get to allow God to give us understanding in all things. And we get to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And boom, the confidence that comes in from that and the, the strength, the knowledge of God that comes from that is unmovable. It, you, you become so resolute in, in that 
incredible abundance of peace and love and joy that nothing else, all the vain and profane babblings, they don't even water off a duck's back. But we are to shun them, according to Paul. Yes, we get to reject those weird psychological mumbo jumbos. We get to reject the mind of man. We get to shun all the highfalutin muckety-mucks. Again, as you heard in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, where it says casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Yeah, we shun all that. Shun it. Because it increases unto more ungodliness. It starts in ungodliness and then only increases into more ungodliness. All of this, though, it is a process of God learning it, understanding it, knowing how to apply it to our individual lives, allowing God to work through us. It's a process of God. So let's see what Second Peter chapter 1 has to say about God's incredible, beautiful process. Because we're talking about walking with Jesus every day and every day understanding Christ more and more. And in a couple minutes, we have a beautiful message called Walking with Jesus from our wonderful friend Trish to really help us understand this well. So 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according to his divine power hath given us unto hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue you've been called to glory and virtue if you're watching this right now if you're listening to this right now you can know that god has called you unto glory and virtue and has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So let's trust him. Let's trust that he's done that and walk forward in that knowledge because he always gives us everything we need. In verse four, it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have escaped that corruption. We have escaped that ungodliness. When we're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and we're walking in the fullness of Christ every single day, that is our escape from the lust. That is our escape from the addiction. That is our escape from the pain of abuse, the pain of abandonment, the pain of the past. Christ gives us that escape. And it is glorious, my friends. It is so wonderful to walk in that fullness and to live this virtuous, righteous life through Christ. It is incredible. Uh, in verse 5, it says, and beside this, I love this scripture because it's like, wow, Peter just laid out this incredible knowledge and wisdom and promises. And he says, and beside this, there's more, my friends, so much more. It says, and beside this, oh, we got, we have a job now too. It says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance faith. I'm sorry. And to temperance patience 
and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. We go step by step, layer upon layer, with all diligence, knowing that God will add all these things to us as we ask him and as we seek him. He adds the faith, the virtue, the knowledge, temperance. Temperance is being able to control yourself, being able to just be, you know, in good balance, just to keep that healthy balance in all things. That's temperance. God adds that to us. Patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Who doesn't want those things? Who wouldn't want to have great charity? In verse 8, it says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we take great diligence to add, add layer upon layer, these things outlined again in 2 Peter chapter 1. Go ahead and open your word and check it out for yourself. As we add this to our lives, we will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what that means? We will then have a very easy, it'll become very easy to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. As we know him better, it just becomes, okay, that's not a, that is not the Lord. Okay, that's not Christ. Oh, yes, this is. I need to tune my ear closer to this. This is the Lord speaking right now. I need this instruction. Lord, I want this instruction. It becomes very easy. And right now, I'm so blessed to offer this message for you. It is an incredible message for each of us to build our knowledge of Jesus Christ, to know the answers for each person we encounter. So our wonderful friend Trish takes us through a message called Walking with Jesus. Now I'm going to encourage you to listen very closely. There's some powerful revelations from God that have very personal implications for each one of us. So I'll encourage you to say, okay, Lord, how do I make, how do I take this message in and, and live it in every day of my life? I want this because this perfect knowledge gets to become part of us as well as we do so as we walk with Jesus we'll get that perfect knowledge from him in all things so here's our beautiful friend Trish this message is called walking with Jesus I hope you enjoy someone had made a couple of statements a while ago that prompted this message they were reflecting on some of the things that they were going through and they're speech or their behavior or whatever dynamic it was, was being straightened. It was just being straightened and refined. And it's all the process of God in a Christian walk. A couple of things they said was, don't they love me? Uh, upon correction, they, they wondered, don't they love me? And the other thing is, is this what a relationship with, with them is going to be like? Is this what it's going to be like? You know, the flesh quite often will come up with questions like that. And my compassion came up. Great compassion for this soul. Because they were looking for answers. They were desiring answers. And the Lord had actually challenged them and said, get before me. 
wait on me. Seek me and pray and I'll answer you. And you know, that's always a good thing to do. Whenever you're challenged or the Lord is bringing a whole new working in your life and you're having to kind of change some patterns and the way of doing things and make it a little more straightened and a little more straightened until you have that beautiful polished walk in the Lord. Like I said, it is a process. Well, it prompted me to get in and answer those questions in a way that the heart and soul could really receive and understand it and not only understand it, but be glad for it. So I'm going to start today by describing what Jesus met with when he was on the face of this earth, right from minute one. From the moment of conception, Jesus' life was in peril. Now, um, I'll just start with day number one, Matthew 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, which means they were engaged, before they came together, before that act of coming together as a husband and wife, that physical act, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now this in the natural reasoning, natural medical community is absolutely impossible. You can't have conception or a child without that physical act of intimacy between a man and a woman. Well, they'd never come together before and Mary was a virgin. Then Joseph, her husband, now you see how God referred to him as her husband? Because in God's eyes, that vow of potential marriage, that engagement was more binding than the marriage itself. Because you made a vow and a commitment before God. So that's a very powerful commitment that's not to be entered into lightly. And it's to be honored. And God already saw him as her husband. Being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily. Now, during that dispensation of time, when Joseph and Mary were upon the face of the earth, the penalty for having a child out of wedlock was death. They would take them out and put them to death. And Joseph loved Mary dearly, and he did not want that to happen to her. And they do it out in public as an example to deter anybody from entering into those illicit interactions. So what he did is he was minded to put her away, to hide her away. So right away from the moment of conception, Jesus' life was in danger. And it took somebody intervening, that husband, that had the oversight for that woman that was put in his care and his charge, and now this child. He was responsible to know from God exactly how to keep that wife and child safe, how to keep them from harm and potentially uh, from being killed. So it's no, no different today. The husband has that oversight over 
a, a wife if he's got a wife given unto him from the Lord and over the children that the Lord would gift him with. It is that man's obligation to see to it that he has the mind of God for them and he keeps them safe spiritually and physically and alive spiritually and physically, most importantly spiritually, because that's the eternal life. The physical life, it comes and it goes, but that eternal life is the one, especially a spiritual man, he has to pay the most attention to above all things, above all things. But while he, speaking of Joseph here, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So you see how God came in. This man waited and pondered, just like the one that I heard these ponderings from. Joseph waited and pondered, and God sent him an answer. In this venue, God sent it to him in a dream through an angel. And he said, fear not to take Mary to thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What an incredible work this man is doing out of his carefulness before God, out of his obedience before God, out of his love for his family. He is preserving the Son of God who will give his life for all mankind to deliver them out from their sins. An incredible work. Husbands, mothers, how do you know if the one that you bear in your bosoms and in your womb are not given a charge from God to do a great work upon the face of this earth? It is a work do preserving. It's worthy of it. It's important. It's important. So Joseph heard the Holy Ghost. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. What an incredible thing. Then Joseph being raised up from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth their firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Do you know how he immediately acted upon the instruction of the Lord? Do you know that instruction can come in many shapes and forms? God is the one. He's the author of our walk. And he knows exactly which ways he's going to bring you instruction. Just have your ears quickened and your spirit quickened to know and recognize when an anointed vessel, regardless of what form it comes in, comes before your face and has the message of the hour for your soul, for the safety of your life, for the safety of your family's life, 
for the continuance of that perfect work in the Lord. So always be quick and willing to hear and be very quickened by the Spirit to recognize when God is present. Now going over to Matthew 2, we're going to start in verse 1. So now Jesus, now he's been preserved by the faithfulness of the Father, by the obedience of the Father, and he was in peril from the moment of conception. They sought to kill him. Now over in Matthew 2, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and were come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, I want you to think about that. It didn't say he rejoiced. It said he was troubled. Now, what would cause him to be troubled when the Savior of all mankind was about to be born? Why was he troubled? Well, let's keep reading. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Well, you see that behavior? It's very forceful, very demanding. Doesn't sound like God. There's a different spirit at work here. It's the fleshly mind of man and the fleshly nature of man. And as we read, you're going to get the picture more and more. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. See, they had all the prophecies written out and they knew this was coming. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Whoa. Okay. He's saying, okay, there's going to be a governor come out of this and he's going to rule the people of Israel. Well, remember Herod here, he's the ruler at that present time. And the natural rulers that are governed over by Satan, they do not like to lose their control. They get really, really, really disturbed if they think anybody's going to come and take control away from them. So then here's what happened. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Well, look at what Carrot's doing here. I want you to get a nature, get a picture of the nature of the mind of man and the falsities that come out of the mind of man. See how Herod here is making nice to the the ones that he's sending out to find him. 
He called the wise men in and he said, oh, go find him so I can worship him too. Do you honestly believe that's what he wanted to do? But they'll make out that they're, they're your friend. They'll make out that they're wanting peace with you. They'll make out that they're standing with you. And that's that false spirit that comes in sheep's clothing and inwardly they're ravening wolves. Well, let's see the proof of that as we go on. All right, so there they were. And when, then they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now you see the difference there? When Herod heard about it, he was disturbed, he was troubled. But when the wise men heard of it, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. There's the difference. When someone that has the true anointed word of God walks in the room, the true spirit of God will rejoice and receive gladly the spirit of the Lord that walks in the room or that has appeared on the scene. But the mind of man and Satan's crew that other altered spirit will be troubled and perturbed and prickly. That's how you can discern what's in the air and what to take heed to. If, a, if an anointed vessel walks in the room and you feel prickling, trying to rise up in your own member, just say, whoa, that's not me. That's not part of you, Lord. So I rebuke it. I'm not going to give place to that. Just put it down. Put it away from you because if the Lord has walked into the room, he's bringing good tidings. He's bringing the keys to life for your soul and for your household. If he's walked in front of you, he or she, whatever appearance the Lord wants to choose, but rejoice like those wise men. See, they were wise. Herod, not so much. He was governed over by some other nature. So be very careful and be very sharpened in your discernment today to know how you react when the Spirit of the Lord walks in the room. Do you react rejoicing and bidding with open arms or do you have your arms folded and, do you, are, and your eyes are squinting? That's how you'll know and you'll know how to line up and how to rule. If there's unruly flesh there, you'll know how to rule over it and get the mastery over it with great skill, the more you're exercised. All right. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Do you notice how they, they fell down? They lowered their own estate and upheld the Lord up. They didn't try and usurp themselves over the Lord. No, they lowered their own estate and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So there they were before this, this baby. See, it has nothing to do with age. Not at all. They literally bowed to the ground before him. They lowered their estate before a baby. Why? Because the incarnation and the presence of God was before them. And they were wise men, which means they recognized 
the presence of God and gave place. And they, they left their entreaties, their gifts at the feet. And look what God does next. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now, do you see how Herod called the wise men in from a different area? And then he made his entreaty and made his niceties. Oh, tell me where he is so I can worship him too. Well, God knows every intent of every heart. He knows every thought. Every uh, conspirator that has a wicked device that they're go going to try and exercise against him. God's fully aware of it. Nobody's fooling him. They may fool flesh and blood. These wise men, through innocence, may have gone out to search out where Jesus was. But do you notice how God stepped in on the scene and he said, Okay, you guys, don't go back to Herod. He warned them, Don't you go there. Go over to your own country. Don't return back there. And who did they listen to? Because they were wise, they listened to the Lord. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Do you know it is no different today? The moment a soul goes down in that water and rises again and they have that infilling, that new birth, that new life arising in them in the spirit, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, just like that child, baby Jesus, they are a target. And there is an enemy out there that seeks to devour. The devil walks to and fro across the face of this earth seeking whom he can devour. And where is your strength? Where is your armor? In that warning of God. And the humility that allows you to receive that warning of God. What a beautiful, beautiful working that is. That's why the scripture plainly says, esteem the other greater, so that you're not going to miss it. When the, the word of God walks in front of you, you won't regard flesh and blood, but you'll be quickened by the Spirit, by that exercising, to know when God is present. So there is Joseph again, warned of God. And he, he was told, Herod's going to seek to destroy this child. So there you are. Again, as a parent, he had the charge of that child in his hands. It was up to him to hear and heed the warning of the Lord and take it on with all carefulness and all due diligence, with all of his heart, with all of his might, and with all haste, that he would preserve what God has given to him in his hand to preserve. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. He didn't waste any time and he didn't let people know where he was going. He left by night right away. Isn't that something?
in Matthew 2, 19. But when Herod was dead, now see at time, there were things that happened after that. Herod was very angry. I'll just tell you the backstory on that. You can read it for yourself. But what God had said to those wise men and what God had given Joseph warning against, Herod was so angry, the wise men didn't tell him where Jesus was. And he says, well, I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna make a decree and I'm going to slay every man child, every boy child, everyone that's under two years of age, I'm going to have my soldiers go through Bethlehem and I'm going to have them slay every single child born under the age of two. And they did exactly that. He did not regard, regard life. He did not regard that it was just a child. He did not care who he destroyed in his wake. He just wanted to maintain his control. He didn't want anybody to jeopardize or take away what he thought was his. He wanted the control. That's a fearful thing. Do you know there are spirits like that today on the face of this earth that don't care if they destroy people. They don't care if they destroy lives. They don't care. They will do whatever they have to do to maintain their control. So going on down into Matthew 2, 19, time will move by. And God told Joseph to tuck away until he hears that gets word that Herod's dead. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Well, here he is again, being led and guided by the wisdom that God brought to him by the warning and the instruction that God brought to him, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod. Herod's son had taken over. Same spirit. He was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding, being once again, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, everything happened in a proper order and in a fashion that fulfilled the word of God. Stay on course, stay on track. Don't let anything throw you for a loop. Stay steadfast before the Lord. Keep your focus directly on God. Be prayed up enough to recognize when God sends you his messenger in whatever form. Don't be of the mind that, well, I will only hear him if he speaks to me like he spoke to Joseph. I will only hear it if he comes to me personally in a dream and an angel presents himself. That's the only way I'm going to hear it. Don't be like that. That's the venue that God took at that time and in that dispensation for Joseph. But he has a great working today. And he went to the cross to put it in place. 
the working of the fivefold ministry and the working together of his body and the moving of his spirit and his prophets and his mouthpieces that go out across the land to warn and guide the people. What a beautiful working. And when you know God, you will recognize them when they walk in the room because they will bring the good word of God that will save yourself and those that are in your charge. So be quick to hear and quick to bow and give place and listen and obey. So let's go on. Here's Jesus being protected by the father and the mother now. They're joining together, united in this cause. But that father has the lead. Fathers, remember this. There's a weightiness upon you that's given to you and appointed to you from God to hear him, receive him, and act upon it. In Luke 2, verse 40, we're going to go on into Jesus's life and notice how it's wrought with peril. There's a constant warfare trying, seeking to destroy him. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus carried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolks and acquaintance. Now, I know by the spirit that Jesus was a proper child. He never gave his parents any occasion to consider that he would do anything untoward. So they safely traveled forward. But when they went looking for him, he wasn't there. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. They immediately went to find him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. That's something at 12 years of age, they were astonished at the wisdom that came out of Jesus, this proper child. And when they saw him, speaking of Jesus's parents, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Well, you could imagine. If your child all of a sudden wasn't there and you had to go looking for him, you didn't know where he was, and you've been looking for three days, you would have been just dismayed beyond words. And the mother saw him, and this is what she said. But look at how Jesus, at 12 years of age, answered. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. 
because it wasn't their hour yet to understand. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. See, he was a proper child. He came here as an example as to how to live your life here on the earth. Even though you're in a fleshly vessel, you don't give place to the workings and the warfare of that fleshly member. You overrule it and you put it into subjection. And Jesus did. When the parents arrived, he did. He was subject unto, him, unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. There's going to be times when God is going to say things to you that you may not understand. But tuck them away in your heart because they may be for another time for a dispensation or an appointed hour. And there are some times when you have to take things by faith, just like Joseph had to take it by faith when that angel said, you better go run hide and you better do this. You better go there. You better do that. He obeyed. Just obey, tuck it away, and God will give you the fullness of the understanding in his perfect appointed time. So Jesus went back and he he was subject to the mother and father. And look what happened when he was subject to them. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If you want to have favor, young ones, with God and with man around you, be subject to your parents in the Lord. Be subject to your parents in the Lord and listen to them and obey them. Now, what was the first thing that Jesus did when his ministry was launched? Now, we've got here, it's wrought with peril. He had to be protected, but he also at the same time demonstrated how to behave and be a proper child. And now he's going to move forward into the fullness of his ministry. So he grew in wisdom. Here he is about ready to be appear to the world. So over in Matthew 3, the very first thing he does, Matthew 3, 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, John the Baptist, to be baptized of him. Now John the Baptist was going across the land preparing everybody for Jesus's appearance. And he knew who and what Jesus was, and he was getting people ready for him. And here's Jesus coming up to John and saying, well, you need to baptize me. So what's the first thing John did? In his own mind, he started to say, but John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me? So here's John going, wait, wait, wait. Oh, you need to baptize me, who am I, what? And there's that natural mind reasoning. But look at what happens when the true spirit of God and the voice of God and the declaration of God is loosed. Now I say it that way because it's very, very important when somebody comes with the word of God, the instruction of God and the declaration of God Listen to it because there is power that comes behind it and you will literally be cleared of the natural mind and the way the natural mind thinks it should be and you will instantly 
or with the working and power of authority of that word, you will be guided into where God wants you to be. So after he said that to Jesus, he forbade Jesus, and Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. He immediately lined up with what Jesus had said they all needed to do. Every man needs to follow in that example. And John came and he lined right up with the example that God had sent for the earth here to follow. And he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, who do you think that voice was for? Jesus knew who he was. That voice that was audible and spoken out from God the Father was for the benefit of the people that were there to give assent upon Jesus and to proclaim him his son. You know, my husband is a prophet of God and he was in a house of, uh, in a house visiting a group of people that really did not esteem him. They did not esteem or recognize the anointing or appointing of God. In his, in his personage. And he was standing in a hallway. And David knew who and what he was. And he did have the word for that household. He did. But I, they did not receive him. They did not recognize him. And God is a testimony to the ones that was there standing in front of him. God in an audible voice called out his name. And the, the, the one that was standing there turned white and his jaw dropped. And he looked around and there was no man standing there. But God himself wanted to give assent and bear witness that this was his faithful spirit, his faithful appointed messenger. So be quickened and don't regard flesh and blood. These were family members that would not receive a prophet of God. They didn't recognize the anointing. So God gave his, gave his evidence of it, and yet they still fell by the wayside. It's a fearful thing. It's a very fearful thing. So stay very prayed up, stay humble before the Lord, and stay open to hear. So God did do that witness for all of them, he opened his voice from heaven and let them know, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. After fulfilling this commandment, Jesus fulfilled that commandment to be baptized. You can read it in the scripture. Um, anyone that knows their word knows of this. You have to fulfill that word to be baptized under holy hands in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for the remission of sins. And, for the in, and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost and go forward 
in that dispensation of power and authority and that newness of life that God is going to bring into your member. And it's going to be a beautiful walk from that moment on. It's going to be a walk of workings. It's going to be a walk of purgings and renewing and refreshing. And it's, it is a wonderful, glorious, victorious walk when you stay steadfast on the course. So after fulfilling this commandment of getting baptized, what was the next thing Jesus did? What he did is he humbled his flesh. And that's something Jesus himself, the Son of God, humbled his flesh. And this is how he did it. Over in Matthew 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Do you know how you know it's the tempter? Do you know how you know it's Satan speaking? Because the very first word out of his mouth was a, a word of doubt. If thou be the Son of God. If is a doubting spirit. If you really are who you say you are. If you truly are the messenger of God, then do my bidding. That's what he's saying to him. If you're really the son of God, then do my bidding. Mm-hmm. If thou be a son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Do it my way. Just go over there and command these stones to be made bread. Here's the answer of God through Jesus. But he answered and said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want you to let that one sink in very deeply, very, very deeply. It's not the things of this life, the material things of this life that's going to keep you alive. It's every word that proceedeth not just out of the mouth, but out of the mouth of God. There's your key out of the mouth of God, those holy anointed messengers, that holy word, that holy movement of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, again, he's still casting that doubt out there. If thou be the son of God, Again, he's trying to get him to do something he wants him to do and do it his way. Cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. He's trying to get him to commit suicide here. Isn't that something? Well, if you be the son of God, see, God will protect you. Ha, 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 ha. He chuckles inwardly going to see if he can dupe the very son of God. I don't think that's going to fly. Watch what Jesus does because Jesus is full. His flesh has been humbled. He's full and he knows who he's talking to. Jesus saith, said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm not going to tempt God. I'm not going to push the envelope and be a daredevil. I'm not going to dare God to lift his hand off of me. 
because I want to do something my way. You see how he answered the Satan back? You see how he answered him back? Satan threw the word at him and Jesus knew the word even better. And he knew what was behind what Satan was saying. And he answered him back and countered it and struck that down. He didn't play into Satan's hands. Know your word. Know it by the spirit. Okay, here he comes again. And again, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Do you know how many have fallen down and are worshiping him to get a kingdom of some sort in this world? A kingdom that's going to be burnt away and destroyed? A kingdom that is temporary and perishes every day? As soon as you build a new building, immediately after it's built, it starts to age. And by and by, the roof will leak and the plumbing will back up and on and on and on it goes. And it needs a new coat of paint. It doesn't last forever. It starts to immediately perish. There isn't anything that isn't going to pass away in this kingdom here in this world. And yet people have given their very lives and everything they own. They've given their very souls. They've sold out their very inheritance, like Isu, for a bowl of lentils. Nesson, bowl of pottage. He sold his birthright because he was hungry. Anybody going to fall for that one? Fall for building some kind of kingdom and you want to keep your authority and your control and not bow and kneel and humble yourself and receive God like those wise men? Or are you going to be like Herod and fight to maintain your own kingdom and be destroyed in the latter end? It's really an interesting thing to think upon. What are you giving your life for? What are you pouring your life into? What are you spending your time on? Where does all your energy go? Mm -hmm. Just think about it. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Get out of here. Get out of my way. You know, you have every right and you have the authority of God. If a spirit comes to you and tries to get you to give it the preeminence over God and over the mind of God or to give all of your time and energy to it, building a, an empire of some sort or worshiping flesh more than worshiping the spirit of God, putting God first. If anything, is anything trying to assert itself into your life to make it more important than number one, God. Put God first. All these other things will be added unto you, but put God first. Don't let the cares and riches and the deceitfulness of this life and the pleasures of this life 
remove you out of the good fruits that you should be bearing in the spirit and the obedience to God and from following after his commandments. Very basically, love one another, but love him most and put him first. These other things, they're secondary. Some of them a third or fourth or fifth down the line. And some of them shouldn't even appear in your life. Know how to divide it out. Know how to be like Jesus. Get the hand, Satan. Get behind me. Get out of my way. You don't come first in my life. You don't come first in my life. God is first and foremost in my life. Him I will worship. Him I will sit and listen to his spirit, to his voice, to his instruction, him will I serve. Then when Jesus took that stance and his word with power and authority came out, and he said, get thee hence, Satan, then the devil leaveth him, verse 11. And behold, once Jesus took that final stand and then the devil was gone, he left him. You resist the devil and he will flee but you have to resist him. Don't you give him place? No, not for a moment, not for a second. So what happened once the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. That's when the blessing is going to flow. That's when your soul is going to get a fullness like never before. You're going to receive a peace like never before. There may be things in your life where you may suffer loss, but if they were causing you to have not receive the blessing of God and hindering your walk with him, that loss will soon dissipate and the great glory and, and healing power of God will come and take its place. We've all suffered loss through this life of one sort or another. I've had to walk past ones I loved because they fell along the wayside and they did like the devil, they did the devil's bidding. They would love something more than they loved God and it would take them out of the way and it would choke off the fruit and they would fall by the wayside, but I had to keep moving forward. God met me and carried me through. What are you going to give for your own soul? Is there anything? You can read that in the word. Now, going on from there, so there Jesus, he overcame the devil there. He humbled his flesh. He overcame the devil. He would not buy into any of his rhetoric. He told him to leave and get behind him where he belonged, not out in front of him, guiding the way and calling the shots. He got him behind him. So his eyesight was straight ahead, and what he saw was his father, and his father guided him, not any other voice or any other entity. Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And over in Matthew 4, 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness all and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria 
And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. They all flocked to him. And going on into Matthew 5, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, or sat down, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. He taught the multitudes. He had a great open show of the power of God, the evidence and proof of God with him. And the people gathered. And once they saw the evidence of God and they were moved, they all came. But remember, it was a mixed multitude that came before Jesus when he taught them. Bear that in mind. There's a mixed multitude out there. So what drew them? The loaves and the fishes. All those things that Jesus did with that show of his hand. But now he's going to teach them. He's going to feed them that deep meat. And what I'm going to do now, there is a wonderful series that covers what Jesus taught. Uh, if you go to YouTube and write in the search engine, get your love on, get your love on Sermon on the Mount, and it will bring this series up. And then you can hear what Jesus actually taught them. You can go into your Bible and you can read it. And you can also go on to get your love on Sermon on the Mount. And it'll bring up this particular series that I've found to be very, very informative. I've, I bear witness to it. It's been researched by the Spirit, by much waiting on God and getting the mind of God uh, for the hour and to decipher what Jesus was telling to the multitudes there. So it's a really good one if you want to enjoy it and get in your word and open it up and let ask God, to open up those deep mysteries to you. So Jesus taught them up on that mount. And over in, we're going to travel now from that point. We're going to go to Matthew 7, verse 28. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Not something? I told one soul that was had the anointing of God to go forth and bring a word from the Lord to a group of people or to different ones. And I said, don't be surprised if when it comes out of you, it comes out with great authority. Because when you have that anointing from God, there will be that sound of authority in your voice. And those that really know God will recognize that authority, and they will listen and receive it. So what I have to encourage every soul, be ready to hear when you have that anointed vessel come into your presence of any time through your walk and through your life. Be subject to that authority and don't war against it. Remember how the flesh would kick up and, it, and how Herod kicked up? 
at the thought of someone coming in there and uh, how the wise men reacted. They bowed and received. There's the difference between the two workings, the humbled spirit before God and the um, flesh that wars and fights. So over in Romans 8, verse 6, Paul talked about this, what it is that Jesus came to do away with. And he said, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you think Herod pleased God? No, he warred against God. He wanted to maintain his own control. He wanted to do it his way. He wanted to control everything but and call all the shots. That didn't please God. No, and the other thing he wanted to do was to stop up anybody that had any kind of authority, like God. He didn't want to give place to God. He didn't want to give place to God's plan. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, here's how you're going to know you will re rejoice like the wise man. If the true spirit of God dwells in you and has the authority instead of the flesh having its rule over you. Which one's winning the fight? Are you using that spirit of God to rule over the flesh and bring it into subjection? Or is that flesh winning out? See, there's a war. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So there's how you can tell the difference. Even in your walk, you can feel it and be like Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee thence. Go. Put it under. Resist the devil. Resist that warfare of the flesh. Resist that high-mindedness. Put it behind you. Get it far from you. And be subject to the Spirit of God. Matthew 7, 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And that's something, there's your key. That's what you follow. Because words, they can come flooding out. Remember Herod's words? Remember how he said, oh, go find him so I can worship him too? But what was really down underneath the surface? What was the fruit that he actually bore? He went out and killed off all the children two years and under. He was a murderer. He had evil intent down underneath the surface, even though his words appeared to line up and his words appeared to be really sweet and peaceable. But what was the itinerary down underneath the surface? What was going on there? Well, let's have another example of what Jesus was up against when he walked here and what the Spirit of the Lord inside of every member is up against when you walk here. Well, here's what happens when the natural mind gets going. All right, here's Jesus continuing on in Matthew 13, verse 54. Now, you notice how he went and he taught the people. 
He went into the synagogues. He went up on the mount. He just got the mind of God out there and told them what they should be doing and what they should not be doing. He divided it out for them. What a beautiful working. Matthew 13, verse 54. And when he was come into his own country, now he's coming to where he grew up, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence hath then hath this man all these things? Who the heck does he think he is? We grew up with him. How could he be up there with all this? And they were offended in him. How dare he get up? Where'd this come from? That's what they were thinking. That's what they did. They regarded his flesh and go, well, what the heck? But Jesus said unto them, here's Jesus's answer to them, to their behavior and their hardness of heart and their hard thoughts against him and their natural reasonings and their natural minds seeing the personage of someone they grew up with and were familiar with, and they gave him no regard. They wouldn't give him the time of day. And he said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. He'll receive honor anywhere else, but he comes into his own and they won't honor him. Isn't that something? Do you notice that my, uh, my husband, prophet of God, it was own, his own family members that would not recognize him, that would not recognize the authority that was upon him. And they did lose out. They did lose out. They were offended in him. Jesus knew it. And look at what the repercussion of that rejection of Jesus, that lack of recognition of the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God that was upon him, even though that anointing waited for a certain time and dispensation in the spirit. Because up until then, he was just Jesus, the carpenter's son. But underneath the surface, he was. Remember how the word said he kept growing in wisdom? There were things that God was laying down in there and teaching him along the course and along the time. But when his hour came to be released and for it to be shown forth who and what God had appointed him to be, they were ready for it and they didn't receive him. And because of that, in verse 58, and he did not many works there because of their unbelief, because he did not, they did not believe in him. It tied just, he couldn't do anything. He did not many mighty works there. It stopped up the blessing of God. It stopped up the healing of God. It stopped up the deliverance of God. It stopped up God. What a fearful thing. But Jesus had to go on. He moved forward. He went forward past their unbelief 
and went on to do what God had sent him here to do. So I'm going to go back to what prompted me again to make this message. It was those statements that were made. And based on that, I gave a background of how perilous it is for the Holy Ghost to exist on the face of this earth and how important it is to get that training so you don't stumble when the anointed is in front of you, the anointing of God is in front of you, so you don't stumble and miss out on instruction that can save your family from great peril because from moment one, you got the Holy Ghost, there's always the enemy there seeking to devour you and move you off on some other path to have you listening to some other voice, to have you following after some other spirit, and therefore not fulfilling your course and not producing the fruit that God said you should produce. You're producing some other fruit. You're being unfruitful. The works of the flesh will cause you to be unfruitful, but they will show. They'll be very evident in your actions, even if you're doing them behind people's backs. Herod, his plan seemed very sweet to the speech. The speech was very sweet, but behind the back, he was conspiring to do great evil. And he did. He did great evil. And it will remove people out of their place. So again, I implore fathers, and this was a father that asked this question, very beloved man of God, very beloved, incredible soul, and, and really, really wanted to know. So let's take a, you know, we did take a look at what it was like walking with Jesus. We're going to take a closer look what Jesus faced being here. Now we're going to look at what it was like for other people when they walked alongside of Jesus. What happened? What happened when they walk alongside of Jesus? Now, here's the two questions. Do they love me? Is this what a relationship with them is going to be like, being with a prophet? Is this what it's going to be like? Well, let's take a look at what it was like. If you really want to know what it's like, and if they're asking those questions, then they don't really know Jesus. They don't really know the Lord. Because if they knew the Lord, they would understand why that prophet is the way he is, and they would embrace it. So because there was that, that cry come out of that soul and that inquiry, the Lord said, okay, show him and have him walk along with Jesus for a little bit so that he can become familiar with it, and it will become a comfortable place. Not necessarily comfortable for the flesh, but comfortable for his heart and his soul, and he will find solace and comfort. Solace and comfort in walking with the anointed of God. Walking with the anointed of God. So Matthew 16, let's go there. Let's see what it was like walking with Jesus. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do people out there say I am? Out there in the general populace, who do they think I am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, and other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. They think you're one of the prophets. They have all these ideas as to who you are. 
Now, the ones that were up close to him and walked close to him, he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Now, see, those up close to him saw and got a deeper vantage point. Do you want that deeper vantage point? Do you want to have that up close and personal vantage point of knowing really who God is or your estimation of what he is or what you think he should be? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. There's only one way you're really going to understand this true Spirit of God, and it's if God himself gives you that quickened understanding. You are not going to get it any other way. You're not going to get it from your own reasonings because they were reasoning out there at the, on the whole, out in the populace, and they all had their ideas about it. They all had their spin on it, as they still do today. Only God can open that quickened understanding. But that meek and humble and contrite spirit, God will reveal himself to you. If you will humble yourself, God will reveal himself to you. And he'll answer your questions, just like this one. He wanted his questions answered. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. See, right there, he changed his name. And he gave an appointment to this soul. And this soul went from being Simon Barjona to be Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you see the declaration of God? Through the declaration, through the mouth of Jesus, incarnate, God incarnate in flesh upon the face of this earth, the declaration that came out toward Peter. He renamed him. He made him a new man. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Look at the power and authority he gave him right then and there. And each soul that is filled with the Holy Ghost, that power still exists to this very day to be exercised. But how does it come into being? Now look at Peter. We're going to read on and we're going to find out some more things about this process. Now, this was a declaration that was promised unto him, but he had to go his full course in order to fully receive it, for it to be fully formed up and developed in him. You're going to see about this. Then charged he his disciples, speaking of Jesus, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Because don't you tell anybody who I am. From that time forth, because his moment was upon him, his hour was upon him. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed 
and be raised again the third day. He told him, I'm going to go and I'm going to be killed. But I will raise again the third day. And when Peter heard that, now remember that great declaration that was proclaimed over Peter? Well, look at what kind of state Peter was in right then. He was in his own mind, his own natural, fleshly, reasoning mind. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. He began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. He began to rebuke him. Be careful that you don't grab a hold of the messenger of God and start to rebuke him. How dare you try and come in front of me or change the declaration of God that comes out by appointment and alter it and say, no, it isn't so. Well, Peter did. He grabbed a hold of Jesus and began to rebuke him. But what did Jesus do? But he turned and he said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You are carnal, Peter. That's your own fleshly mind right now. And where did he send him? Get behind me. You be quiet. You be subject to the voice of God. And if anybody's merciful enough to say that to you, when your own fleshly mind rises up to to rebuff or rebuke or deny the Lord, be thankful. And I asked this dear soul, I got to share this with this dear soul. And I said, how did you think that felt on Peter? When Jesus said that to him right in his face, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense. He says, I'll bet it didn't feel very good. No, probably not. But what did Peter do? Well, let's follow on later we're going to get into what exactly what Peter did. He stuck with it. He did not get offended. He did not leave. He, he became subject and he followed the leading of the Spirit of God. He followed the Lord. He did not get offended by it. But let's read about what happens when the flesh insists and won't just persevere. Now, Peter didn't understand everything God was telling him right then. He didn't understand everything that Jesus was revealing to him right then, but he stuck with it. He stayed the course. And at the appointed hour, it was revealed to him, and then he fully understood. But there was a process Peter went through. There was a process of kicking, even denying Christ three times. I mean, he went through quite a route. But still that word of God stood over him, but he had to be worked. He had to go through a process. Are you willing to be worked and go through that process or are you going to be offended? Well, let's go over to John 6. I'm going to start in verse 53 and I'm going to tell the story here. I'm going to start midstream, but Jesus is unfolding things here. Then Jesus said unto them, and he's speaking to a multitude here. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Well, oh, my gosh, if the natural mind looks at that, what are we cannibals now? What the heck? They wouldn't understand it at all. Verse 54, 
Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. He's talking spiritually. When you break bread before the Lord, it's a spiritual breaking of bread. It's sharing the word back and forth. It's receiving that instruction from God from an anointed vessel. You're sitting and partaking of him. Because he sacrificed his life for him, he laid it down for you. So we're going to go on here. Yep, for he said, my flesh is meat indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Remember the woman at the well, and he spoke about water, that he, the water that he had, if you drank of the water he had, you'd never thirst again. What was that water at the word of God? What is that body partaking of his death on the cross? Partaking of it, going down in that watery grave, going down with him, taking up your cross and following him. Mm -hmm. Take up your cross and follow him. Mm -hmm. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many thereof of his disciples, when they had heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? They started reasoning in their own natural mind with their own reasons, reasonings. Well, how can we hear this? This is a hard hearing. This is, this is too much. This is way out there. We can't do this. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Are you offended by what I just told you? Because see, his, what he was telling them was laid down in the human soul for that hour, for another hour, when the deep things of God was going to be revealed, when the fullness of Christ was completed on the day of Pentecost, and they received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And then that quickened understanding would all come together. But they had to take it by faith then. If the Lord gives you some hard things, just do it by faith. Take it by faith and watch and see. But believe him. And he's, are you offended? And what and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascending up where he was before? What are you going to do if you see me ascend up to where I came from? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I'm speaking to you spiritually. And that's where you're going to find your life is by getting it by the spirit, not by natural reasonings, not by your own way you want it to be. You're going to have to know me by the spirit. That's the only way you can know me. But there are some of you that believe not. He knew it. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not 
and who should betray him. He knew, just as he does today. He knows if you believe him or not. He knows if you're accessing him or if you're conjuring up some image of him in your own mind and laying down your own estimation of what he should or shouldn't be. Get to know him personally. Go to him directly and really get to know his true nature and his true spirit. Verse 65, and he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. And he knew that they wouldn't be able to get their understanding open unless God gave it to them. So ask the Lord to open your understanding. But you've got to humble yourself first. You've got to bow to the Lord and receive him in humility. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. There were about 70 of them. They just turned around and walked away. How do you think that felt for Jesus? But they were offended because he challenged them. And he gave them meat that they didn't want to take in. And they wouldn't wait and allow God to bring the fullness into play. They wouldn't wait. They just got offended and off they went. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, we also go away. You going to leave too? Do you want to go too? You had enough of me? Or are you going to stand with me? And go the course. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Now see, Simon Peter, right there, Peter, he still had a course to go and understanding to be quickened and a route that he had to go. And he said, well, all of us here, all of us 12 here, we believe. And Jesus looked at him and Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him being one of the 12. See, Jesus knew. Peter didn't, but Jesus did. Remember that. Remember that. Along your walk, there may be some things that you perceive according to the understanding that you have in that moment, in that dispensation, in that time. But remember, Jesus, the Lord God, knows all of it. And he ha may have a certain insight that might give you a bigger picture and a better vantage point of what actually is going on, going on and what actually is in your midst. Trust him, believe in him, listen to him. Let's go on into Hebrews 12 verse five. I'm gonna exhort you now from the Lord. I'm gonna close this off with the exhortation from the Lord. Hebrews 12, 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. You see how Peter stuck with it? Peter took it like a man, the man of God, that rock that Jesus said he would be. He had to go a full course and be worked. Even Paul withstood him to the face in front of everybody. But Peter took it. He 
took it and he kept going and he lined up. He lined up. See, Peter walked with Jesus. Paul came in afterwards. And yet when Paul came in front of Peter's face with the authority of God and the, the straightening from God for Peter, Peter recognized the power and authority of God because he walked with him and he knew him. And he lined up with it. He knew how to be worked and he knew how to stand and he knew how to go forward. Learn and embrace these things. Love the Lord in it all. And this was the encouragement I gave this man, this beautiful soul. And he just took it on and he goes, I get it. I get it. I understand. This is wonderful. Okay. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now, does he love me? You better believe he loves you. He gave his life for you. And if he loves you, he's going to make sure you make it. He's going to make sure that there isn't something that gets in your way that can lead you off some other path. Or have you fall short of the fullness of what Jesus really has for you? If you endure chastening God, whom he loveth, he chasteneth. He scourgeth every son whom he receives. If God has received you, he will send messengers. He will send his word to you if you need it. He will do it because he loves you. If you're walking with the prophet of God, he is going to say, you know, um, maybe you should be doing, you not just maybe, you should be doing something differently. You need to stop and get on your knees and pray here for a little bit because you were off base here. Your comments were off base. That's a residue of that old man that you're trying to get rid of. Get, get that cleaned out of your life because that's going to get you in trouble. Oh, howdy, that'll get you in a lot of trouble and it'll move you right off your path. Bless God. Bless God. Hear it. Receive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? If you're not, you are going to fall by the wayside. You are going to go off. Those other things will lead you off in a different direction and you'll fall short of the fullness. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. You're going to lose the father. You're going to have a substitute for God put in its place. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which correcteth us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Wouldn't you rather be subject to the Spirit of God and His instruction and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Just like that young man said, he said, yeah, that wouldn't have felt very good, but he stuck with it. Nevertheless, here's, here's what you listen to. This is what you hang on for. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness 
unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Get it straightened out. If anything needs to be straightened out in your life, straighten it out. Follow the instruction of the Lord. Receive the instruction of the Lord. Take it on like Joseph did and act on it like Joseph did quickly. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed. Don't waste any time at it. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Is there something tearing your life up? Is there a divisiveness that's come into your life that's just tearing things apart? And there's bickering going on and divisions and wranglings and all of a sudden, the love us wax cold and there's hatred one towards another or animosity. Any of those things going on? And you're scratching your head and you've tried all of your endeavors and nothing is working and it's still hanging on and it's still going on? Humble yourself before God. Like this young man did. And boy, he got his instructions and he was so thankful. And he got a bead on what it was that he was doing that was causing him to go awry and causing him headache and heartache. Job 5 says it, verse 17, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty, for he maketh sore and bindeth up. He'll bind you up. He woundeth and his hands make whole will actually put you together again. Do you know what this young man did after he got the fullness of understanding of what it actually is like walking with the Lord? What it really feels like? What those workings are all about? What it accomplishes? And he got to look at himself in the mirror and see who and what he truly was? And the potential of what he could fully be in the fullness of his walk before God? He was texting out all over the place. I love the fivefold ministry. I love the fivefold ministry. He literally went away rejoicing in the workings of the Lord and those interactions and those, those ugly bits falling off. And he wasn't stumbling it over anymore because he, the lights were turned on and he saw exactly what it was. He had a beat on it for the first time in his life. And those things troubled him for decades through his life. And it fell off in that moment because he got before God and he asked those questions and God heard him and answered him and he humbled himself and his ears were open to hear it. There was a time when he wouldn't have heard it. He thought he was too big or too high for it. But God worked him over and he was ready to hear and he went away rejoicing, just like Job said, Behold, happy is that man. And I'm going to close with this. John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You don't do it your way. You don't do it. You don't fashion God the way you want him to be. You lay your ways down. 
You lay your ideas down. You lay your life aside. And you take up what the Lord has to say and do it his way. And ask yourself, not, is this pleasing to me? Does this suit me? Don't ask yourself that. Does this make me happy and joyful and woo-hoo-hoo? No, don't ask yourself that. Say, does this line up with God? Is this what God wants? Is this the way he wants it to be? Then you're a happy man. You've laid down your own ways. You've set it aside. And you've taken up the will of God for your friends, for an example, to be that example and to be that help and to show and bear those fruits fully in your life for them to follow and enjoy. And the love and the fruit of God will be abundantly flowing and the peace of God will dwell in your life, in your household, in your family, when you do it the way God lines it out to be done. Well, I love you all very much. Lord bless you all and give you that great anointing like we spoke of today in your life, both to be able to receive and hear and both you have to stand and bear that wonderful fruit. Love you much. Bye for now. And that message was from our beloved friend, Trish. I hope you enjoyed it. And I know I certainly took down lots of notes. And, you know, the good news is, is that uh, a message like that, man, you can get so much out of it when you review it a few times and take your time to review it without distraction. So you can go to getyourloveon.org. We have every show archived. And in today's show archive, I'll be sure to reference previous shows on the Holy Spirit on baptism, on the fivefold ministry, because you heard Trish mention that and its importance in the instruction and, and the edifying of the body of Christ. It's just incredible wisdom. So we have that show for you as well and much, much more at getyourloveon.org backslash show archives. We also have the video references that Trish mentioned, the Sermon on the Mount series. So do your due diligence and go back, start at part one and check it out. Just take it as you can. Each episode is a about 10 to 15 minutes long, and each episode gives you incredible insight, wisdom, and of course, that beautiful instruction and perfect knowledge of God. Well, since we spent the last two hours getting our love on, let's make sure we keep our love on. We'll be back next week with another show, and in the meanwhile, Lord bless your week. Sure love you. Crack yourself a smile or sing a song, but I keep my love on. Man or woman, man or woman who is so down, try keep your love on, on. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the one true God, keep your love on. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. Keep your love on, 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 on Don't let it die, don't let it die, don't let it die, no, no It's a simple message, but that does 
doesn't mean it's wrong I keep my love on If I were you And I'm a simple singer But my heart and mind are strong I keep my love on Yes I do You must dream in color Ask your questions Cause life does not give honorable mentions Thinking more than two dimensions In case your tightrope loses tension Ever you need a friend mm, You know I will And I'll be here too To lend a friendly hand So you, so you can keep your love on time Let it shine bright Bright, bright Keep my love on Don't let it die